Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. Here at the Loft, our mission is reconciliation. We truly hope this podcast draws you into a new sense of belonging within the loving arms of Jesus Christ. Let's get started. Some people have the heart when you're standing before God and singing song after song, and they just think, man, are they ever going to stop singing, or why are they singing another song? And it's because you haven't had your heart opened up yet to worship and what it means. You know, every religion in all the world has sacrifices that they bring to their gods, whether they be our God or a little G God somewhere else. There's a sacrifice that we bring of praise in the room to worship God. And today, I'm not going to preach super long because we've got stuff to do. We've got a lot of anointing to do. And I hope this resonates with us. We've been talking about King David. We've been talking about the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God that was hanging around the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God that was inside that Ark, that anywhere it was placed, powerful things took place, whether it was dethroning other little g-gods, or whether it was bringing provision and, and abundance to the house that it was sitting in. And the metaphor is, seek the presence of God. We have to seek his presence. We've got to stop being so, so busy with everything we do in our lives that we forget to find that little place and cuddle up next to the ark, to the presence of God. Create a space in your home that, that has anointing power. You know, there's places in our house where people will come in and say, do you guys pray in this room? Or are you, are you guys in this room? Or I love, I really love this chair. And I just think, hmm, I know why. You know, we sit there and pray and sing songs of praise and read psalms and just cry out to God in those places. And there's something that becomes sacred about places like that. I encourage you to create them in your own home, in your own life. And today we're going to talk about the anointing specifically what it is and why it is. And I have this oil. We made it a long time ago. It has a couple of spices and fragrances in it. Right? In the Old Testament, anointing oil was used to, you know, put people into a position of authority, like a king or a priest. Did you know that you today are the kings and priests of God on the earth in his kingdom? Invisible kingdom you can't see, but you can see the effect of it in every direction. And you are kings and priests. Maybe you're both. just depends on the moment. This also was set on people that, you know, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, that they might go and do the work of the kingdom. It was put on people to be sent. And it was put on sick people for healing. Do you know why? It's the representation of the Holy Spirit's presence. It would be like if I, if I had the authority and the opportunity to put my hand into the Ark of the Covenant and smear you with those ashes. And that God's presence might go with you everywhere that you went. Did you ever see The Lion King, that movie? It's kind of old now, but I have grandkids, so we're watching everything again. And there's a place where the little baboon named Rafiki grabs a hold of the little lion cub, Simba. And he holds him up. But before he does that, he cracks down and he makes some kind of potion. And he gets his thumb in it and he puts this rub right across Simba's forehead. While he's little, and he says, King. And he anoints him for what he's going to do. I'll tell you this, the devil doesn't really care too much about what you're doing right now. It's always about what you could do. Yeah. Your potential is forever right there. It's always about what you might do, what you might start to believe, and who you might start to be if you could walk in the anointing king, priest. And I'm just using that because that's the word in the Bible, but ladies, king, that's right. queen, priest. I just keep doing that. The word anointing means rub. It means that. The Bible would press it a little further and tell us that it means stuff like the 
presence of God on flesh so that you could do something that you couldn't do without it. Okay? Do you get that? God's presence coming on you to do something you probably wouldn't be able to do without it. How do you think people can get up and lead worship? We're not that talented. We don't have that much experience, really. You know, we get up and do, do it week after week. Annabelle, it's almost your turn. It's almost. Everybody in here is going, why don't they do this at the beginning? Because then you won't stay for church. And then God wouldn't be able to get into your hard little heart and speak something life-giving to it and make you new. Not forgiven, not clean, but new, brand new. Because he's after you, he's after your heart. So here's a scripture that we started this church with, Psalm 133, 1 through 3. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Man, I seek that. I want that so much. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. When we first read that scripture, we felt like God gave it to us for this church, and it served us pretty well, you know, because people have come and people have gone. And people would come and try to get in the middle and sow discord, and we just won't have it. We don't care. We, don't, we, we will worship God with abandon, with unity. And if, you, if that's not the posture or the position of people that can come, they don't stay here. And that's okay. We're all right with that. Because we believe there's a foundation that will be built that will be tremendous, that will be in unity. Because the way I read this scripture, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard of Aaron, tells me that if I intentionally have unity, I will have anointing. Right. And i got to have that. Can you recognize what I'm saying this morning? Not just in our church. You know, some people will come in here and say, this is the only family I have. This is my place. These are my people. It's, it's better than my home life, you know? Yeah. We have a little sanctuary in our home life. Can you see the potential and power of unity if you could have that? Mm -hmm. how, how amazing it would be in your family, at your home, at your dinner table, at Thanksgiving? Yeah. If we could just get it. Now, there is a little disclaimer because the Bible tells us as long as it's up to us to be at peace with everybody. But if someone won't enter that, you get off the hook almost, but you don't get to get, have a hard heart. Your heart still has to stay pliable and soft and ready for God to move at any moment. Because if we can start to recognize this, that unity brings anointing, and anointing breaks the yoke, and anointing puts God's ability on my flesh to do something I wasn't able to do before, and there's a rub that appoints me a king, then I start to live different. Are you, you catching that? Yeah. This is a message that we catch, so I, I strongly encourage us. If there's someone in the room that you have conflict or striving with, I encourage you to get that right, if you can, as long as it's up to you, because you'll have anointing if you do that. And if it's outside this room and it's in your family, and if you can, you got to make peace. I don't know how many times I, I crossed that line and sat down to have peace, to have harmony. And there's a joy that always happens in those meetings where you walk away and you're like, yeah, the, that's love. And you start to feel the anointing. It's a flow, an ability to be able to do something I couldn't do before because God got in the middle of it. Amen. It's a practical application is to go make it right if you can. And if you can't, you have to be at peace with it still and keep your heart good, right? Amen. So what is this anointing? We talked a little bit about it. I wrote it down like this. The anointing is what enables us to walk in the power to fulfill the calling. It equips us to fulfill God's plans in our lives. 
you know, there's times you'll watch people, even Stacy's been on a break. I loved it that she came up here and sang because I wish she would have had that heart before I ever started singing. But I feel like I'm anointed to lead. I'll lead if it's worship. I'll lead if it's a small group. I'll lead if it's food truck. I'll lead if it's clean this building. Because I'm, I'm anointed to lead. I know it. We've been setting David, and there was a place where David said, I understand that God has established me thus. He's appointed me to be the king. And remember, David, he didn't go right into the palace when he was anointed. He went back to the sheepfold. He went back to ten sheep, and then back to the palace to play his music for the king, and then back to the sheep, back to the palace, and back to the sheep, until one day he doesn't go home to the sheep anymore. He stays. God's doing the same things in us on different levels and different spheres of influence all over the place, and it's the anointing that we need that will break the yoke. If you wonder why you keep circling around, you keep having mental stronghold, you keep having strategies that don't work, you have to get a hold of the anointing. You have to have it. Here's a couple of scriptures that I like about, about this whole idea. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, We have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You're just a jar of clay filled with the presence of God. So filled with the presence of God, a jar of clay can do anything. Without the presence of God, it's just another jar of clay. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Be happy. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 2, 2. Make my joy complete, Paul is saying, by being like-minded, by having the same love, being of one in spirit and of one mind. And one more, Matthew 18. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. <coughs> two, two or three of us are gathered here in his name, and he's with us. Okay? Anything can happen. The, the climate is... I don't know if you can tell, but the climate is just ripe for something to take place in this room, and I'm excited about that. Can you can you fathom the rub? Can you receive it? Can you can you just like close your eyes and imagine the Spirit of God putting a rub on your forehead and calling you His own, anointing and appointing you to be His? Secondly, King David had an experience being anointed the King of Israel, and this is what it looked like in First Samuel. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it to us. If you guys want to, you can stand in honor of the word and lean in, and I will read it to us. If you're with a baby and you're busy, you're good. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Now fill your horn with oil. Samuel is the man of God. He's the priest of the land. He's, he's prophetic. He's going to go and speak. Who's going to be the next king to the people? I rejected Saul. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Fill your horn with oil. I've provided myself a king among the sons, among Jesse's sons. Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it? He'll kill me. Saul was like that. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. And they said, do you come peaceably? He said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Get ready is what it means. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, the firstborn son of Jesse. He said, surely the Lord's anointed is before, before him. But the Lord said, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I've refused him. How many times do you look at the stature and the appearance of someone and think, oh, surely 
But God knows the heart, and he knows your heart, and he sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. Jesse called Abinadab, and he made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shammah pass by, and neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said, are all of the young men here? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest. There is he keeping the sheep. Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. Now, this is not a short day. It's kind of like you standing there right now. How long will this last? It's going to last all day. they got to go find him. they got to bring him back, and they're going to cook something. And it says, they sent for him, brought him in. He was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking. And it was a redhead. It was a ginger. I don't even know if you can say that anymore. Can you, TJ? TJ, you're a ginger. You're kind of a ginger. No, I don't know. You're a little Auburn. Okay, he has ruddy He's ready. He's a, he's a ginger and he has bright eyes. Let's believe it like that. And the Lord said in, in Samuel's heart, Arise, anoint him. This is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. You can sit down. I don't know how you feel when you read this or hear this, but I am amazed. David is out writing in the field, or killing a lion or a bear, whatever's going on that day, to take care of his father's flocks. And he's writing something that, you know, something like, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he restores my soul, he leads me beside still waters, he anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. You know, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and, you know, he anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely the goodness of mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's writing stuff like that. And some men come and get him. Hey, Samuel's here, he wants you. Come on, we can't eat until you get there. And they've got to be thinking, this is ridiculous. It's not Abinadab, it's not Shammah, it's not these guys. And when he comes in front of his brothers, in front of everybody, we've already talked about the place that David came from, a low birth, where he speaks of it in, in Psalms, and he says, my mother bore me in sin and shame. He's the bastard child of Jesse. Got any bastards in here? God can use you, can raise you, mark you, and make you the king. He's powerful at redoing. He's powerful at making something new and clean. Arise and anoint him. Here's the other part. What if God has given you an ability to reach behind you and pull somebody else along? Anybody in here over the age of 40? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. I see you. Reach back and pull somebody along. There's this weird idea in the world today that says, yeah, I'm in charge. Get in line. But God doesn't do it that way. Arise and anoint him and start to pray a prayer that goes like this. God, give me the eyes of Samuel that I can see where David is and help me to reach back to bring them forward and give them a place in authority. If we don't learn these things, where is our religion? Where is our faith? What is the future? What do we hold on to? This stuff is powerful. If we're reluctant or even disobedient, did you know the calling of God and the thing that's sitting on the middle? I'm not, I'm not waking up sheep anymore. I'm not trying to wake up sheep. I am trying to wake up lions now. I'm done waking up sheep. That, that doesn't work. I'm starting to hear the sound of waking up some lions coming around. And if you have been disobedient in your calling, 
doesn't matter because the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. It cannot, it will not ever be revoked because once God put it into motion, it will be. When God said, let there be light way back there, it echoed through eternity. Let there be light, 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 light. There's still black holes being discovered in the universe. There's still another galaxy. There's still another tremendous thing found in the stars because God never said stop. When God puts something on your life, it's there forever. That's why you can watch pastors fall and they can still minister. Because the gift and the calling of God doesn't have any repentance to it. He's not sorry that he picked you. And he never will be. Colossians 1.16 says, By him all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, by thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, including you, little old you, and your great big calling and the anointing of God. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about the fruit of the Spirit this year. We've been trying to walk in those things the best that we can with his grace on us. The anointing, in short, is the presence of God. And there was a place where, where Aaron was actually anointed. And it wasn't with oil. It was with blood. But we don't have a calf today. You're welcome. But we do have some oil. And so what happened in the, in the anointing of Aaron is that I'm going to have my strategy team and my children come up here. My husband. My strategy team. Did you get Christine? Did somebody get, go grab Christine? And you text them. Yeah. Um, my, my strategy team and my kids come over here. So this is why I'm going to do it this way. When, when you guys stand right here. When Aaron was anointed, Moses sacrificed the bull. And what he did was he took some blood from that bull and he put it on Aaron's ear and on his thumb and on his toe. And what I did is, I, I, he was anointing him priest over the land. And what I asked God was this for all of us. I said, God, would you, would you grant us permission to use this oil in a way that, that it represents, you know, who God, who God is in our lives. It represent the presence of God on our lives. Go get her, Stace. She come up here. I know it's going to be wild because we're getting ready to do this to these babies. So when Moses took this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring babies up in just a sec. We're going to wrap this up in a, in, a, in a long, wonderful manner. When Moses took that blood, I want you to imagine that, that oil is like that blood. And he put it on the ear that Aaron might be able to hear God. He put it on his hand that he might be able to do the work that God called him to. And he put it on his foot that he might go where God told him to go. And then he wouldn't shrink back. And we're going to do that for every single one of you in this room this morning. Whoever wants it, whosoever will. As soon as we pray for these little ones. Kim, Whitney, guys, come on up here, Jane. Walter, come up too. And I've already got my team up here. I know. It's, if the babies cry, it's awesome. They've got lungs, they can breathe, and they can make noise, joyful noises to God. And so Scott is going to read this stuff. No, don't run out of here. Pray with me to dedicate these little people. I'm going to come down here with you guys.
you guys do me a favor? I'm going to talk for just a minute. And Elisa's got everyone standing here. Would you guys just fill up the front row and go ahead and grab a seat? These guys? I, yeah, I don't want you to stand. I'm going to read some scriptures and stuff. Okay, okay. With these babies, I want them to be comfortable. And if they start fussing, feel free to feed them, give them a bottle, you know, stand up, walk, whatever. But I just wanted you to sit there and be comfortable because as we kind of shift gears, I want to just give us some context for what we're doing here and dedicating these kids to God. Um, you know, because number one, it, it's all about family, isn't it? When, every, when it comes down to it, it's all about family, right? Our work, our lives, everything we do, it comes back to family. So we believe in building strong families. Amen? Um, so it is very important that we dedicate our children to God. We, there's many examples in the, in the Old Testament as well as the New of, of parents dedicating their children to the Lord. Uh, check. But what I do want to say is that, you know, a different perspective than some other religions, Catholic and probably some other ones, is we don't believe this is an act of salvation for these kids. We believe babies and kids are living under grace till they get to an age where they can make a decision. Every person needs to make a decision to follow Jesus, right? That's what we believe. And you, you have to make a, um, a decision of faith, and then Jesus tells us to be water baptized. And so so what is that? We don't, we don't sprinkle with water and say, welcome to the church and to faith, you know, but we believe in, in, its, in its biblical to take time to dedicate your children to God and offer them to God. We'll talk about it in a minute. Jesus was dedicated, you know, and, and they went to, went to the temple and dedicated Jesus to the Lord. Jesus. Yep. So how much more should we all dedicate our kids to God? But I, wanted, I want to uh, encourage the parents here with a few scriptures, okay? So in the first one is Ephesians 6, 4. It says, fathers, this is one for the dads. Walter, Gene, pay attention. This is for you. Paul called you out in the book of Ephesians, and he said, Father, he didn't say mothers. He said, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but rear them tenderly in training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. So why didn't he have to tell moms that? I think moms just come with this natural way that they just love their kids, and dads like want everything bright, want their kids to act right and everything. And so... There's an admonition, Gene and Walter, to don't like harp on your kids so much. Um, I think I got this again. Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians 6 4. And this is the Amplified. It says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training, discipline, and counsel and admonition of the Lord. So the first one's to dads. Man, apply as your kids are growing, apply that count, man, count to one, two, three, because, you know, you get mad. You get mad if your kids misbehave, if they spill milk, if they do something wrong. And so, man, take a step back and understand your role as a dad to train your kids up right. Yeah, well, there's discipline that's a part of that. But don't discipline out of anger. That's where abuse comes in. If we get mad and we get short-tempered and we start yelling at our kid, that's wrong. 
you got to take a count. Do, some guys, it's a three-second count. Some guys, it might be a ten-second count. And get your composure. You're the adult. Fathers, this is the admonition. Okay. Both of you, I want to read Proverbs 22, 6. And this says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Many of us uh, know that scripture. But out of the Amplified, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And in keeping with his individual gift and bent. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. See, we've got three girls. And they're all completely different in their personalities, in their, in their bents. And so your job as parents is to yeah, raise them in church. We're going to talk about that. Raise them to understand the Lord. Raise them to, to fear the Lord. But it's also to discover your child's individual gift, their bent, their calling, and their purpose. Gene, he might be a football player, but he might not be. He might be an artist. It's your job not to just push football on him because you're a football guy. He might be. You know what I mean? But it's your job to, man, nurture, nurture him and help him understand what is your individual gift. How has God wired you? God has wired him in a unique way and given him calling, stuff Lisa was talking about. Gifts and callings are irrevocable. You don't want to push him to be something he's not. You want to encourage him to be all that God's called him to be, right? In Deuteronomy 11, this is also in Deuteronomy 6, and this is all about the law and, and God telling us his commandments and stuff like that in Deuteronomy. And it says, and you shall teach them to your children. Talking about the word. Talking about the Bible, the commandments. You shall teach them to your children. Not just bring them to church. That's yeah, great. You bring your kids to church. you got to be in fellowship with the body of believers. But his, he said, speaking to them when you sit down in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you rise up, you have to make it a lifestyle to teach your kids the Bible. You don't just relegate that to the nursery, to the to the youth, to the to the pastor. It's a lifestyle to train your kids up in God, okay? You guys following me? Yes. Baby dedication is super important, but it's also an admonition to the fathers, to the mothers, to the parents to do your job, to invest your life. And, and I know you want that. You're here. That's why you're here. In, uh, in Luke, uh, that, the whole chapter of Luke is where uh, Jesus was, was dedicated when it came time. Luke 2, 22. Uh, Luke 2, 27. It, it, as, it says, as customary in the law, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. Okay. And then um, in Luke 2.52, it says, And then Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in years and in favor with God and man. We're going to believe for God to impart some favor, some wisdom, some growing in understanding and wisdom just supernaturally. Amen. Then Jesus, I love in, in, in Mark 10, you know, when, when Jesus was on the earth and he was operating his ministry and these kids came and surrounded Jesus, and the disciples were like, oh, no, 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 keep the kids away. We've got important stuff to do. And what did Jesus do? He said, no, 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 this is what's important. Yeah. Bring the kids here. And what did he do? He laid hands on them yeah. and blessed them. Yeah. So go ahead and stand up. Yeah. 
That's what we're going to do. We're going to lay hands on these kids. We're going to lay hands on these parents to bless them, to speak words of life. If you're, if you're family and you want to get a little closer and get some pictures, feel free to move around. Uh, get up out of your seat. We're going to have our team pray. Lisa, do you want to take it from here? Yeah, I love all that stuff that he shared, you guys. That's our heart in dedicating the kids. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, man, where's my oil? It's coming. But for this, if we could just reach in our heart and grab some faith and put it toward these families. We do that by reaching with our hand like this. If you're a family and you want to come lay hands on these little sweet babies, you can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my oil right here as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He's spitting up right at this exact second. Awesome. So thank you. So I'm going to get him right here on his ear. Because you might hear God every day. Just like little Samuel. What you Did you call me, Papa? Go back. That was the Lord calling you. In your hands, that you might be able to do the work of the Lord. And look at you. Look at the parents, too. That you might hear God. That you might do the work of God.
We thank you for her, God, for her beauty. I pray that her heart for you would be as powerful as her beauty. In Jesus' name, I pray that you give her dreams and writing and creativity like her mommy and a good work ethic like her daddy. In Jesus' name. God, just bless these families. You guys, you, you go be with your family and let them speak life to you. I'm going to keep my team up here. Yeah, you can clap. Todd, would you come up here too? Todd's a teacher in this house. I'm going to pray over him too. And then from here, this part is just like, we're not we're not taking away from this baby dedication that's powerful. And you have to slip out with the babies. I totally understand that. That's why we're doing this part now. But if you want us to pray over you this morning, stay stay right where you're at. And we're going to we're going to do it in just a second. But what I wanted to do, first first of all, we get some too. We pray for each other. Yeah. And we trust God for a marriage that will represent God's work in this world and for God to speak to us as mom and dad in this house. So we'll be able to have children in this house and disciples and make disciples out of Christians and that God would speak life to us. I pray for your business endeavors that allow us to do this work to continue to produce wealth. I pray that you make good decisions and I pray for your heart to be guarded from evil and loose men and women in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you seek God every day your life. Prepare for your relationships with your kids to continue to flourish and grow as their adults and to be taught. Tell all your little grands in Jesus' name. Pray to me. <laughs> a lot of times you see this stuff and a man and wife never pray for each other. It has to begin right here. Maybe it didn't just begin it right here, but for the sake of the day.
called you to. If your hands will be able to do the work that God has called you to. In Jesus' name, we anoint you, teacher, in this house. Now listen, these guys are now, by the way the Bible demonstrates, is that Jesus anointed and appointed his 12. And then his 12 went out. And then everybody that the 12 impacted went out. And then all of those people went out. And that's why you have however many, many, many millions of Christians that there are today. Now we just need all the Christians to become disciples of Jesus and do what he says and follow him and get a hold of the anointing that he's pouring out for us so we might have an, an endowment and ability to go about the planet. If you want this, come up. Come up here if you want this. If you don't want this, you're, you're free to go. If you want this, come and get it. In Jesus' name, Angie. Thanks for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. You can learn more about the Loft Gathering by visiting loftgathering.com or by joining us for Sunday morning worship service at 1030 a.m. Till next time, be blessed.